Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about paediatric HIV. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash HIV or in the infectious diseases section of the Zero to Finals paediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. HIV refers to the human immunodeficiency virus. Infection with this virus makes a person HIV positive. AIDS refers to the acquired immunodeficiency syndrome that occurs at the end stages of a HIV infection once the infection has affected the immune system enough to make a person susceptible to recurrent or unusual infections. AIDS is usually referred to in the UK as late-stage HIV. Let's start with some basic pathophysiology. HIV is an RNA retrovirus. HIV-1 is the most common type and HIV-2 is rare outside West Africa. The virus enters and destroys the CD4 T helper cells of the immune system. Patients experience a seroconversion flu-like illness which occurs within a few weeks of the initial infection. The infection is then asymptomatic until it progresses and the patient becomes immunocompromised and begins developing AIDS-defining illnesses and opportunistic infections, which potentially could be years later. Let's talk about transmission. HIV cannot be spread through normal day-to-day activities, including kissing. It's spread through unprotected anal, vaginal or oral sexual activity, from mother to child at any stage of pregnancy, birth or breastfeeding, and this is referred to as vertical transmission, and also through mucous membrane, blood or open wound exposure to infected blood or bodily fluids. This could be through sharing needles, needle stick injuries or splashes of blood in an eye. Next let's talk about preventing transmission during birth. The mode of delivery will be determined by the mother's viral load of the virus. Normal vaginal delivery is recommended for women with a viral load less than 50 copies per mil. Caesarean sections are considered in patients with more than 50 copies per mil and in all women with more than 400 copies per mil. IV zidovudine should be given during the caesarean section if the viral load is unknown or there are more than 10,000 copies per mil. Prophylactic treatment may be given to the baby depending on the mother's viral load. Low-risk babies, where mum's viral load is less than 50 copies per milliliter, should be given zidovudine for four weeks. Higher-risk babies, where mum's viral load is more than 50 copies per mil, should be given a combination of zidovudine, lamivudine and nevirapine for four weeks. This description of measures to prevent vertical transmission is an oversimplified illustration of the Beaver guidelines. You don't need to know the details for your medical school exams, but it is helpful to be aware of the basic principles and that the guidelines do exist. Let's talk about breastfeeding. HIV can be transmitted during breastfeeding, even if the mother's viral load is undetectable. Breastfeeding is never recommended for women with HIV. However, if the mum is adamant and the viral load is undetectable, sometimes it's attempted with close monitoring by the HIV team. 
let's talk about testing for HIV. Testing can be done by any doctor, nurse or other trained person. Informed consent should be documented before testing. It's good practice to involve both the parents and the child when getting consent for testing. Results should be given in person by a suitably knowledgeable clinician who can answer questions. Positive results may be due to maternal antibodies in children aged under 18 months, so these results need to be interpreted with caution. This does not necessarily mean that they're HIV positive. Discuss results with an infectious diseases specialist before informing parents that their child has HIV. There are two options that exist for testing for HIV. First is the HIV antibody screen, and this tests whether the immune system has created antibodies through exposure to the HIV virus. This is the standard screening test for HIV, but it can be falsely positive in babies of HIV-positive mums due to maternal antibodies that cross the placenta. It's also worth noting that it can take up to three months for antibodies to develop after a person is exposed to the virus. The second option for testing is to test the HIV viral load, and this tests directly for the virus in the blood. This test will never be falsely positive, but it may come back as undetectable in patients on antiretroviral therapy. So when would you test for HIV? You should test babies to HIV-positive parents. You should also test when you're suspecting immunodeficiency, for example, if the child is having unusual, severe or frequent infections. Young people who are sexually active can be offered testing if there are any concerns. And you'd also test children who have risk factors such as needle stick injuries, sexual abuse or IV drug use. Let's talk in more detail about testing children to HIV-positive parents. Babies to HIV-positive parents are tested twice for HIV. They're tested for the HIV viral load at three months. If this is negative, the child has not contracted HIV during birth and will not develop HIV unless they have further exposure. They're tested again with the HIV antibody test at 24 months. This is to assess whether they've contracted HIV since their three-month viral load, for example through breastfeeding. If the three-month test is negative and they're not breastfed, this should also be negative. A quick Tom tip for you, the HIV antibody test can be positive in infants who do not have HIV up to the age of 18 months. This is due to maternal antibodies that have crossed the placenta during pregnancy. Let's talk about treatment of HIV in children. Treatment should be coordinated by a specialist in paediatric HIV. The principles of medical care are antiretroviral therapy, or ART, to suppress the HIV infection, normal childhood vaccines, avoiding or delaying live vaccines if the patient is severely immunosuppressed, prophylactic cotrimoxazole, or septrin, for children with a low CD4 count to protect against pneumocystis giovacchi pneumonia, or PCP, and treatment of opportunistic infections as they occur. The aim of antiretroviral therapy, or ART, 
is to achieve a normal CD4 count and an undetectable viral load. As a general rule, when the patient has a normal CD4 count and an undetectable viral load, treat their physical health problems, for example routine chest infections, as you would a HIV-negative patient. When you're prescribing medications for somebody who has HIV, always pay particular attention to checking the interactions that that medication may have with their HIV therapy. The paediatric HIV multidisciplinary team will be involved in key aspects of the patient's care, which include regular follow-up to monitor growth and development, dietitian input for nutritional support when required, parental education about the condition, Disclosing the diagnosis to the child is often delayed until they're mature enough to understand the implications. Psychological support and specific sex education in relation to HIV when this is appropriate. So thanks for listening to this episode on paediatric HIV. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. You can find written notes on all the podcast topics in the Zero to Finals books, which are available on Amazon. And you can find full audiobook versions of the Zero to Finals books on Audible, which you can download to take all the topics with you or listen to the books from cover to cover. You can also find all the notes, as well as videos, illustrations and questions, completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be about Hepatitis B.